Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everyone. If you rate and review our podcast, you could win a radio rental, VHS, and more from Terry Carnation's Box of Tapes. Tenderfoot TV will be announcing winners on the feed in a few weeks. Enjoy the show. Take a break from the same old boring blockbusters and experience a new kind of movie night with Radio Rental. At Radio Rental, our videos come to life in your living room, defy all logic and reasoning, and make you question your own reality. This is not your ordinary video rental store. At Radio Rental, we carry one-of-a-kind videos so frightening, so mind-bending, you won't be able to sleep at night. You've gone. Radio Rental. Hello, hello, welcome. Come on in. Welcome to Radio Rental. I'm Terry Carnation. Today we've got a special going on. Two William Castle films for the price of one. May I suggest 13 Ghosts and Let's Kill Uncle? <laughs> a truly winning combination. You see... Oh, wait a minute. I remember you. You came in yesterday. Yes. You're the daredevil that chose to watch a tape from my special collection. <laughs> You're a seeker of the sinister, an acolyte of the occult, a denizen of the dreadful, a collector of the... Okay, that's enough. Of course, of course, I've given you my spiel before. I'm sorry, you just look a little different today. Have you done something with your hair? You know, many people say, Terry, why video rental? It's a dying form. That's simple. Streaming is idiotic. It's baseless, it's crude, no reverence for the art of film. Streaming also doesn't exist in the natural world. Think about it. VHS tapes actually exist. You can hold one in your hand. Try and hold streaming in your hand. Try and hold Hulu in your hand, I dare you. Oh, look, here's my Amazon. It doesn't work that way. These things are not meant to be instantaneous. You know, my screenplay, The Haunting of Emily's Hair, took me 18 years to write. True art takes time, and it pays off. The Haunting of Emily's Hair was read by Ridley Scott. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't Ridley Scott, it was his cousin Pidley, Pidley Scott, who was a taxidermist from Bristol. He greatly enjoyed it and ensured me that it would be passed along to Ridley and put in his bag for vacation. And so what I'm saying is that all good things come with time, and Radio Rental is a testament to that. So let's get out the box again, shall we? The special box from under the counter. Last time we experienced a little fear, a little paranoia. Well, this time things will get a little bolder, a little weirder. Okay, here we go. And press play, and voila. Listen to this. Things that go bump in the night. That's a phrase that's been used for centuries. The idea is timeless. And it's also universally terrifying. The last thing anyone wants to hear when they're trying to fall asleep is an unfamiliar noise. 
But let's be honest, most of the time it's nothing. The sounds we're hearing are totally normal. Houses and apartments, they all make sounds. It's probably the air conditioning or the refrigerator, maybe a distant neighbor, but certainly not something threatening. Your imagination can be very powerful. Racing thoughts are the worst case scenario. And if you ever want a good night's sleep in your life, you tune these things out, you ignore it, just don't let it get to you, and eventually you fall right asleep, right? But at what point do you begin listening to yourself? The inner voice that tells you something is wrong. What if all that paranoia is actually trying to tell you something? How will you know the difference? How do you know if your instinct is correct? In this story, a young woman learns exactly when to trust her own instincts. It was uh, fall of 2006. I was a student at ASU. I had just moved into an apartment. It was a crap apartment. Tweakers, stuff like that. We were college kids. Bottom floor, the head of my bed was right up against the window. We looked out into this courtyard area. I used to sleep with my window cracked a little bit. One morning, I remember it was a school day, It was like 4.45 in the morning. It wasn't pitch black, but it certainly wasn't bright. It was just dawn. I don't remember if I was dreaming. I just remember being woken up by this sound. It was just like this. It was... And then it would pause. It was organized. Like there was bump, bump, bump. Bum, 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 and then it would pause. I thought it might be a bird or a branch or something random, but there was just something intentional about it. There was definitely something tapping. I just didn't know what the source of it was. It sounded like human tapping. And I kind of let it go on a little bit. My boyfriend at the time used to pull these pranks on me to scare me, you know? So I thought it might be him. So I'm like, I am definitely gonna make him wait. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like, I am not gonna go let him in, you know, after he's done this awful thing of waking me up. Like, how dare he? So I laid in bed, like, I'm gonna show him. And it just kept going, like, the tapping. Finally, I get up to get a glass of water, because now I'm up, this jackass has woken me up. As I'm coming back to my bed, there's those horizontal blinds that you see in crappy apartments. There's a sliver that I can see, and I see something move. There is a person out there, it is not a bird. And it seemed just a little sinister. Like it was trying to peek in between the sliver. So I'm like, okay, jig is up. I'm gonna go yell at my boyfriend. So that's when I marched over. I was sure it was gonna be my boyfriend because who else would be doing this? So I whip open the blinds angrily. I open them from the bottom up. And I see a man who is not my boyfriend. You know how umpires, they're crouched down to look at the ball. He was crouched down, hands on his knees, 
so I couldn't really tell how tall he was. He was wearing a dark purple shirt. He had on a Nike hat. He had on black pants, black pants, black hat. He was also wearing gloves. He was wearing black gloves. And August in Phoenix, okay? That's sinister. There was an energy behind his eyes. And I know this sounds really dramatic, but I don't know how else to describe the feeling. And it made me recoil. They were just, there was something very wrong with them. They looked like black orbs. The only thing I've ever seen that compares is um, photos of Ted Bundy or Charles Manson. I just, I was so angry at this point that this idiot had woken me up. And um, it was between a yell and just talking loudly. I said, what the fuck? I was so mad. He seemed taken aback when I kind of cuss at him and then he whispers to me, can I talk to you? Like that, can I talk to you? And it was really, really scary. It gave me this really weird, like, feeling in my stomach. This is not right. His eyes just felt so vibrant with malignant energy. I know that sounds so dramatic, but there is nothing, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. It was really close. Like, I could have reached my hand out and slightly leaned forward and touched his face. I remember I called him a douchebag. I don't know why I remember that. And then I said, get the fuck out of here. We both had a major reaction to each other. He was freaked out that I was speaking loudly. I was freaked out that this idiot with evil eyes had woken me up. It was such a bizarre request. I remember very specifically when he said that, I had recently read this book about Ted Bundy called The Stranger Beside Me. It's one of those true crime books that everyone reads. <laughs> and it was like a nanosecond flash in my mind, but I remember he used to um, pretend like he had a broken arm. He would try to get women to help him. And there was a quote in the book that said, um, it's not socially appropriate to ask young women for help. And so something flashed in my head. This is not right for him, even if he's in trouble, to be asking for help like this. Like, why wouldn't you be yelling if you needed help? If he wants to talk to me, he needs help, right? Can I talk to you? It just seemed like bullshit. If there's something important here that I need to help him with or something, he that wouldn't be how he is. And so I just kind of thought he was bothering me or something. Like he was crouched down and he whispers to me. It, that I mean, that was incredibly creepy. It was blood curdling. It was wrong. There's something really wrong about this situation. Can I talk to you? And so I just had this overwhelming instinct to get away from this person. He kind of looked taken aback, like he wasn't expecting me to be so hostile or something. His body moved backwards in a surprised way. I said, hell no, douchebag, get the fuck out of here. 
lock the window and shut the blinds. I, I remember I was really just bothered by the whole thing. My roommate, um, I told her what happened as soon as she got up. She said, do you think this might have been the baseline killer? We're talking about Mark Goudeau, dubbed the baseline killer for a series of rapes and murders in 2005 and 2006. As soon as she said it, my heart just completely sank. Police called this case the baseline killings because the first crimes occurred near Baseline Road in Phoenix. I mean, we lived a, literally a block off Baseline. I mean, we were within walking distance of the actual Baseline Road. His crime spree starting in the summer of 2005 terrorized the Phoenix metro area. The crimes particularly brutal. The victims random and as young as 12 years old. There was a police sketch that was everywhere. I started to freak out. A sketch of the suspect based on descriptions from surviving victims blanketed the valley. I didn't know if he had been stalking me. I didn't know, you know, if he had just seen the open window and just thought to kind of see who was behind there. I didn't know if he knew it was my apartment. My parents freaked out. I didn't know if this idiot is going to come back. How crazy is this person? We got an alarm. We got pepper spray. I mean, we were kind of like, we want out of our lease. I went on the tip line for the Phoenix PD, and I finally got in touch with the lead detective. He was super nice, super cool. And I explained everything. A lot of things were lining up. He said that lines up with his modus operandi. There was another woman, he went up to her car and said, I just robbed a bank, I need a ride. And so he would kind of ask you things to throw you off and kind of get you flustered and then he would blitz. Can I talk to you? I think, I think that's what he was gonna do. The guy wasn't trying to disguise it. Like that's the thing that horror movies get wrong. You know what I mean? He wasn't trying to make it sound like something else. He wanted my attention. Can I talk to you? He was very adept at eluding capture. He was a master of disguise. He wore condoms when he would assault people. He wore gloves. I mean, this dude was practiced. Like, he knew what he was doing. Two, three weeks later, I get a text. I'm in one of my college classes. This was before pictures on cell phones, so I had a flip phone, you know? My roommate said they caught him. They caught the baseline killer. You need to go look at his picture. And so I ran to the computer lab. I looked it up. 100% it was the guy. Mark Goudeau is his name. That is the guy, 100%. Prosecutors say 46-year-old Mark Godot terrorized the Phoenix, Arizona area for 14 months in a frightening crime spree that happened six years ago. Police say he killed nine people and committed dozens of other crimes, including rape and child molestation. I mean, what is the worst thing that could probably happen? You know what I'm saying? If a serial killer is literally tapping on your window and that happened. Can I talk to you? And it didn't really hit me for a while, the significance of it, I don't think. His name is Mark Goudeau. He's on death row in Arizona. He was a rapist and a murderer. He, he hurt a lot of people, you know, and it was just really 
It was really awful. He was a really evil, terrible person. The Baseline Killer, an active serial killer who terrorized the streets of Phoenix in the early 2000s. Between 2005 and 2006, he murdered nine people and sexually assaulted 15 women, some children. For a year, the Baseline Killer had eluded police, leaving behind very little evidence at the crime scenes. His killing spree became a national news story. On September 4th, 2006, Mark Goudeau was apprehended. He was found guilty of the murders and is currently on death row. That man outside her window was not her boyfriend. I'm glad he's where he's at. There was a moment about a week after he was caught that I just felt this really profound sense of gratitude. Life is so fragile and this all could have been snuffed out, you know? So make it count. There's a lot of feelings about it, I think. I mean, there's a feeling of anger. <sighs> to think that my life and all of the wonderful things that I've been able to experience, someone could just snuff all of that out to get a momentary thrill. It just seems, the gravity of it doesn't seem proportional. And so there's something incredibly unjust about that. In a cosmic sense, it's, it's very, it's angering. You know, and so that's something I think about a lot. I think about it a lot still, actually. I want to make sure that my life isn't for nothing, you know, because I survived this. And so it's like I want to be helpful and I don't want to, I don't want to just survive something like that and then do nothing good with my life. I think that I'm lucky because I got to confirm that my instinct was correct. Because most times when we get that vibe about someone, we never get validation either way. I think that that's been the most powerful thing for me is that like I trusted myself and it saved me for certain. So if you have that feeling about anyone, really trust it. You know, if you have that vibe, don't override it. If I hadn't been annoyed, you know, if I hadn't been primed to be irritated, if I had been like, oh, what do you want to talk to me about? You know, are you okay? Something like that, who knows? But instead I was emotionally prepared to yell at someone and it turned out to be a serial killer, not my boyfriend. I probably would have been meaner my boyfriend, but. <laughs> Predatory people are good at overriding those instincts. Don't let them do it. Just trust yourself. Tell them the fuck off. Amazing story, right? A close shave. I've always wondered how close have I been to pure evil without even knowing it. <laughs> it's quite a provocative, beguiling thought, no? I will say, this is a true story. I once stood next to Chuck Woolery at a Quiznos. And, get this, he didn't even get his his Tuscan chicken sandwich toasted. That's the entire point of Quiznos. Anyway, as I'm sure you've read, video rental is at an all-time low, and I've got to make ends meet over here, so if you wouldn't mind, please turn your attention to our benevolent sponsors. Thank you, sponsors, whoever you are. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? 
In June's journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Before you go, I've got another one for you today. Here we go. Ooh, this one's very interesting. Young love followed by a little trouble in paradise. Then things get really peculiar. Buckle up, listener. Deja vu is a funny feeling. Its literal translation, already seen. But scientists say this feeling is no precognition or prophecy. But in fact, just a bizarre anomaly of memory. In extreme cases, Deja vu can be linked to mental or neurological disorders. But if you've ever experienced the brief flash of deja vu, few can deny just how real it feels. One moment you're convinced you've been there or seen this before, and in an instant, it's gone. In the story you're about to hear, this man's experience exceeds far beyond the intensity of deja vu, but instead should be categorized as what I like to call a glitch in the matrix. I think it would have been 2010 or 11, maybe, something like that. One of my first apartments, I was with the girlfriend I was with in college. We were living in New York City on the Upper West Side. Me, my girlfriend, and then like four of her friends and one of mine. We went to a place called Dive 75. It's a dive bar, like a nice dive bar in New York City. One of her friends had just gotten engaged, a girl named Michelle. We couldn't go to the engagement party because we had been at work. So we went to like the drinks after the engagement party type of thing. 
you know when you move somewhere with a girlfriend and it's like you have the first bubble of the first few months where it's like new place new things to do new restaurants to try so it kind of like reinvigorates things we were like in a really good place we were going out for drinks a lot we were going out to dinner a lot Honestly, it was kind of at a high point, like at that moment. We had like just moved to the city together. We were like feeling optimistic about things. Yeah. There wasn't anything to indicate anger at each other, especially in that moment. We got a little drunk, but not crazy drunk. We walked back home probably 10 blocks or so, 10 or 12 blocks. I think we sang some songs walking home. Like we were singing Billy Joel because he'd been playing at the bar. Got back to the house. I took a shower because I hadn't come home from work yet. And she had put on the office in the room. We just like got in bed, watched the office, and I passed out probably after 20, 30 minutes. It's pretty uneventful, honestly. <laughs> so I woke up probably noon. I got out of bed made coffee, put on the TV. My girlfriend, she wasn't there when I woke up. She didn't have a regular schedule, so she would like sometimes pop off and go to meetings or be at work. It wasn't like weird for her to not be there. I was like sitting there for a little while and then I went downstairs to go have a cigarette. I lit it and then I didn't see anything. I heard high heels coming from behind me. You know, it's a sidewalk in New York City. You hear people walking all the time. She kind of like pushed me on the shoulder like that. So I turned around and it was my girlfriend. I was really confused at first why she was wearing the clothes she was wearing. She was wearing black heels and black skinny jeans and a, I can't remember what color the shirt was, and but a, like a leather jacket over it. I, I didn't recognize the clothes. They weren't like clothes that I knew of her to own. What stood out was that it wasn't something she would be wearing in the morning, you know? She was wearing nightclub clothes at noon. So I was just kind of like, hey, where are you coming from? And then she was just like, go fuck yourself. How fucking could you? Just like a myriad of insults, kind of one after the other. She didn't stop and like yell at me. She just kind of like walked past me to the door, turning and yelling at me as she was doing so. I think she called me an asshole and was like, you're a fucking piece of shit. And then turned around and started going towards the front door of the building. And then just like typed in the code on the door and opened the door. So I like followed her up the stairs, you know, confused as shit. I'm thinking like maybe she, I don't know, saw a text to somebody and misunderstood what I was saying or like someone had called me or something like that and she picked up and it was a wrong number but she got pissed about it. I don't know what the fuck was going on. I wasn't cheating on her. Like there was nothing for her to be mad about but you know, my mind is racing trying to figure out what the fuck it could be. So I like immediately got up and was like, what are you talking about? You know, what's going on? So I was following her up, like trying to get her to explain what the fuck was going on and she wasn't really saying anything. Things were perfect last night, like what's going on? Like how from the course of like, you know, us going to sleep, I was honestly starting to get pissed because she wasn't talking to me. Because at some point, like you can't just be mad. You have to tell me why you're mad. You can't just call me an asshole and then not tell me why I'm a fucking asshole. She took out keys from her bag and went into my apartment. In the living room, there was a kind of dresser where she kept some of her stuff. So she started taking out her clothes and putting them in another bag that she had. Started like stuffing shit in there and the whole time she's like calling me names. She still isn't telling me what I did wrong. She's just being like, I know what you did. You know what you did. Like, I don't have to fucking tell you anything. 
went into the bedroom and like grabbed something from the bedroom and came out and like I tried to block the door so she grabbed a coffee mug and threw it at me. You know those little plastic potted succulent things that are like fake that you can get at Ikea and shit? She like picked one of those up and threw it and hit the TV with it. And then she just like stormed out and like left so I followed her downstairs. And so we get downstairs and she like hailed a cab, opened the door of the cab, turned around said fuck you, got in the cab and the cab drove off. I thought my girlfriend was breaking up with me, so I was like heartbroken. What? Maybe four seconds, and that's when I felt someone just hug me. Mm. <laughs> Arms like around my belly from behind. I was already in like a kind of emotional place, like feeling angry and sort of scared. And so then to have someone like walk up and like hug you from behind, scared the shit out of me. I jumped. I got very confused and scared all of a sudden. And I was like, who the fuck is that? So I turned around and it was my girlfriend. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Van Sant from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. His girlfriend had made quite the scene in his apartment, cursing, throwing things around. The entire interaction just didn't seem right to him. She wasn't acting like herself. And then with no explanation at all, she storms downstairs, hops in a cab, and drives off, only to reappear behind him seconds later, literally as if it never happened at all. Needless to say, he didn't know what to think, but he was determined to find out what just happened. I had just seen her get in a car, and then she was standing behind me in the span of like five seconds. That just scared the shit out of me. I was terrified. I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? How could she have tricked me somehow and gone from the cab to being behind me? I was just so confused. Like, could she have snuck out the other door and, like, crawled along the side of the cars, like, really fast? It was, like, radio static in my head after that. It went from, like, scared, like, scared of losing something to scared, like, scared, scary scared. Am I, like, going crazy? Am I losing my, my mind? Did I just make up some experience in my head? I was, like, completely out of it. 
And she started freaking out, you know, she was like, what's wrong? Like, what's going on? I kind of felt bad for not saying anything right away. I was just so, I don't know, I was really fucking thrown off. Just the whitewash all of a sudden of big emotion to nothing. And then adding on top of that, not being able to logically put together what had just happened. Not even just the emotional like swing of it, but like the, I can't connect A and B in my brain. My, my brain was kind of like overloaded trying to figure itself out. It took, it took some time for me to actually start being like, okay, how, do, how can we rationalize this? The first like actionable thought I had was, I'm gonna go like make sure my room is still fucked up because otherwise I was like, I need to go check myself into a hospital. In the next five minutes, I didn't even really hear anything she said. I wasn't listening to anything. I just went straight back upstairs to like look at the apartment. The door to my apartment was still open. The corner of the TV screen was broken and the succulent thing was still on the ground. The coffee mug pieces were still all over the living room floor. There were clothes like all over the floor in front of that dresser in the living room. The dresser drawers were still open and the gym bag was gone. The shit in the apartment was still broken and there was still shit on the floor. All the stuff that I had seen happen upstairs, the, all the physical evidence of it was still there. I felt comforted for a second of like, oh shit, cool, it did happen. So like, wait, no, what the fuck, that just happened. Confirming that something happened and it was almost relieving and then it was like even more stressful now that it, I had confirmed that that had happened. At first it was like, what ha like what's, what, what's wrong with you? Like, what happened? Like, I'm worried about you. And then when she walked into the apartment, she was like, what the fuck happened? She's like, what happened to my stuff? Where's my clothes? Like, what the fuck is going on? Her stuff had been taken from the drawers. Her stuff, her clothes were on the floor. That was when she really had a freak out. She was like, did we get robbed? Like, someone break in? I was like, I, I, I don't know. I didn't really know how to answer that. Cause like, yeah, someone had just broken in and taken your shit, but it was you. You know, like, how do you say that to someone and not sound like you're fucking crazy? So I was like trying to half answer questions. I remember being like, she was like, did someone break in? And I was like, kind of. And she was like, what do you mean kind of? Like, what happened? And I was like, someone came and took stuff. She's like, so someone broke in. I was like, no, they had keys. She thought I was kidding. She thought I was fucking with her. She thought this was all some prank and that I had like, you know, put her clothes on the floor and I was trying to freak her out. And then when she saw the security footage was when she thought I was cheating on her. The security camera footage, they just showed us on a computer in the office, like at the apartment building. It's a security camera, like up in a corner with a fisheye lens. So you don't really get like great shots of people's facial features, but it, you could very clearly see a woman exactly wearing what I described, who looked a hell of a lot like my girlfriend. She had keys, keys to my apartment my unique specific apartment. Like she pulled out a set of keys from the bag she was carrying and opened the door of my apartment with the keys and went inside. For me, it was proof that I had experienced what I had experienced. And because I had been standing there in front of this girl, like two feet away from her, looking her in the face, I know exactly who it was. <laughs> if it had gone so fast that I couldn't say definitively that it was her, something like that, I would be in a totally different mindset about it. But this was like a real person who was standing right in front of me, who I touched physically, and who broke shit in my apartment. 
100% for certain, was my girlfriend. Physical characteristics, top to bottom, height, build, weight, face, everything, that was her. That whole couple next hours felt like really slow and really fast at the same time. It was really weird. She was trying to convince herself that I hadn't cheated on her and I was trying to convince myself that she wasn't pulling some kind of like trick on me and like, I think because it was so kind of inexplicable, it's hard to not let the negative things come first because it feels like you've been tricked somehow. It feels like you've been like lied to or something like that. Your brain just kind of immediately goes to like a defensive place. I have no belief that it was anything other than a human being and a very real one. I just can't explain how there was both situations that happened that quickly. So her dad, um, he was a lieutenant in the NYPD and he had been like forever. So when she called him and was like freaking out, like someone was in my apartment and took my shit, him and like two of his detectives from his precinct. And they came and they did like the security camera footage. They took it with them. They did fingerprints, which I know is not like a normal thing to do in that situation. But like her dad working for NYPD, he was freaked the fuck out because his daughters freaked the fuck out. The only shit on the locks and the doorknobs were me and her. For her, she was like accusing me of cheating on her and shit. And I was like, it's just your fingerprints and my fingerprints on the doorknob. Just me and her. It gave me a, like a little bit of peace of mind, but again, it was one of those swings of like peace of mind because I've been proven right, but now like, what the fuck? You know, like, what does that mean? They spent like three hours with the security guy and they were like knocking on doors of other people in other apartments in the building. And other people had heard like screaming like around that time. They went all out trying to figure out what the fuck had happened because he thought same thing she thought that someone was like trying to pose as his daughter or something. It was a very strange afternoon of like trying to explain to her father who like didn't like me. He was the one who thought I was cheating on her. Like he thought some other girl had come over and like flipped the fuck out. It's kind of a strange afternoon hanging out with your girlfriend's dad who now thinks you're cheating on his daughter. <laughs> Taking it way too far. He was like, he was trying to prove that I was like a piece of shit. Like he was like, you need to break up with this kid. Like I'm gonna prove it to you. Like, I think that's why he got taken so far was because he wanted to pin this on me. Because he was like, no, your story's bullshit. Like, it's obviously makes no sense. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure my daughter knows you're a crazy person. He couldn't prove that I had done anything wrong. Like, his findings were that everything I said was impossible, but impossible to prove was untrue. The girl who was there first, who was angry at me, was my girlfriend. And the one who hugged me from behind was also my girlfriend. Like, it, they were both the same person. I don't know how they were in those two places at the same time. I don't know why they were in different emotional states, but it was the same person. There's very few I've told. It's been a mixture of people being like, oh, that's a cool story, man. Like, you know, like, that's really interesting. Like, you should write a TV show. You know, like, I live in fucking LA. That's what people say. And then I've had people be like, yeah, it's bullshit. I've probably only told like maybe 10 people because I think I sound crazy. <laughs> it's really more my own insecurity about the story than anything else. Like, I'm sure that like there are plenty of people in my life that if I told they would still like love me and not judge me or anything. But, you know, it's like the human nature to be worried about that stuff. So I just haven't really shared the story because I think it sounds crazy. 
I used to watch Ghost Hunters or whatever the fuck it's called with my friends, and we would like make fun of them, and we would like get drunk and play drinking games on like when we could catch them faking stuff. You know, like I I always thought that stuff was a joke. Like I never took it seriously. Top to bottom, I think that everything in this world is perfectly explainable. I, that's just one thing I personally can't explain. I think anyone who wants to buy into theories of supernatural stuff is welcome to do so. I don't believe in any of it, except for when it's, again, the only thing that I... It's like kind of the last thing, you know? It's like everything else, all the logical stuff I've tried to explain and it just couldn't. So at some point, it kind of is the only thing you have left over. I still like hope deep down that there's some like scientific explanation of what happened that's very real, you know? One of my very good family friends was a professor in New York City, and he teaches physics. So I went and talked to him, and I was—I just kind of told him the story, and I was like, I know it's crazy, you don't have to believe a fucking word I said. He's like, no, it makes sense. I was like, no, it doesn't. He was like, no, oh, no, like it kind of does, like in the theoretical world of like how it could happen. My recollection was that he said that it's possible for realities to overlap with each other briefly or something like that. He wasn't saying that this is like what happened and neither was I. It was just like an interesting explanation that someone had given me that I trust, that I like more than a ghost. I like that explanation more than there being a ghost. (laughs) Like a different timeline in which something actually did happen where she had perfectly good reason to be mad at me in which we were still together. And for some brief moment, they overlapped with each other, so I experienced both. Then she went back to hers. You know, it was like a overlap, essentially. I told this to a friend of mine who had, I, you know, told about this story, and they were like, yeah, I don't believe you. And I was like, yeah, it's cool, man. And it's like totally fine. And they were like, all right, cool. And I honestly, I wouldn't believe me either if I was, you know, myself listening to this. I got nothing to gain from this. Like, I'm not trying to convince anyone of everything. I wouldn't believe myself. Like, if I was listening to this podcast right now on the other end, I'd be like, yeah, this kid's full of shit. I don't care. Like, I really don't. <laughs> like, you can believe me or not. Your, your days, your life's going to be the same either way. It's like, it really doesn't matter, man. Like, I, like I'm not going to defend it and like, because I think it's crazy too. It happened to me and I know it's true, so I don't, I don't need anyone else to believe it doesn't change anything for me. A glitch in the matrix? Maybe. I've always been fascinated by the idea of the universe snagging and exposing its stitches and ripping open its pants, catching on the time-space continuum. (laughs) I don't know. Well, I can tell that you're hooked now. Don't worry. We'll be here with my collection of VHS cassettes very special stories every Tuesday for the next month. Consider this an open invitation, my friend. Ta-ta. This has been Terry Carnation and Radio Rental. Radio Rental is created by Payne Lindsay and brought to you by Tenderfoot TV in Atlanta. Executive producers Payne Lindsay and Donald Albright. Hosted by Rain Wilson as his character, Terry Carnation. Produced by Payne Lindsay, Mike Rooney, and me, Meredith Stedman. Written by Meredith Stedman with additional writing by Mark Laughlin. Sound design by Cooper Skinner. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Additional production by Christina Dana and Mason Lindsay. Cover art by Trevor Eiler and Rob Sheridan. 
Voice acting by Ryan Jones, Casey Willis, and the Tenderfoot TV team. Shout out to Tiny Doors ATL for the creation of our real-life miniature radio rental store. You can check that out and more on their Instagram at Tiny Doors ATL. Special thanks to Grace Royer and Oren Rosenbaum at UTA, as well as support from the Nord Group, Station 16, Beck Media and Marketing, and the team at Cadence 13. If you have a radio rental story that you'd like to share, please email us at yourscarystory at gmail.com or contact us via the form on our website, radiorentalusa.com. Follow us on Instagram at Radio Rental and on Twitter at Radio Rental USA. You can also follow the beloved Terry Carnation on social media. Just search at Terry Carnation. On behalf of the Radio Rental store, we'd love it if you'd subscribe, rate, and review. And don't forget to share our show with a friend of the genre. Thanks for listening.